You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spade. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. It's great to be with you this morning. Thank you so much for taking part of your busy day to come and spend with us as we worship the Lord. So uh, we have been involved in a sermon series. That sermon series has taken us through the book of John. Let's just review a little bit. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31 kind of summarize everything that John is trying to say. There he says that the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in the book. But these, these miraculous signs, seven of them that John numbers, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you'll have life by the power of his name. Now we've made our way through the first five signs. The first sign, John chapter 2, Jesus turns water into wine. The second sign in John chapter 4, Jesus heals the son of a Roman official at a distance. He wasn't even close to him. John 5, Jesus healed a lame man. He'd been lame for 38 years. John 6, Jesus fed a crowd that included 5,000 men, and they didn't even tell us how many women and children were also there. And then in John chapter 9, Jesus healed a man who had been blind from birth. Now, one of the characteristics of why something is a miraculous sign and not just your average, ordinary, everyday miracle, is that when the sign happens, belief happens. And we see belief after every one of these signs. In John chapter 2, disciples believed in Jesus because of turning the water into wine. In John chapter 4, the official who went to Jesus to have his son healed goes back home, finds his son healed, asks, when was it? They tell him it was exactly at the time you were talking to Jesus. And the official believed, and all of his family also believed. In John chapter 5, Jesus healed the lame man. But in this case, instead of belief, the Pharisees reject Jesus. And we saw how even the lame man threw Jesus under the bus by going to the Pharisees to denounce him before the Pharisees. When the 5,000 were fed, the crowd believes, sort of. We saw this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they believed, but they wanted to use Jesus for their own purposes. Then in John 9, 
The blind man believes, and he not only believes, but he worships Jesus. So now we come to the sixth sign. The sixth sign takes place in John chapter 11. So let's begin to read that passage. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Now this is the Mary who later, we'll see in chapter 12, poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend, the one you love, is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus, sickness will not end in death. No. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Now, we've seen this several times. Uh, John, the author, makes a point of saying, okay, now, now, this is happening. But the point is not the healing. The point is not the feeding of the 5,000. The point is not raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, that's important, and it's especially important for the family that it was happening to. But it's important because he wants to Teach us something from this. Now, Jesus stays where he is for two additional days. And then he leaves. Then he goes to Bethany. When he gets there, it turns out that Lazarus has been dead for four days. So whether he stayed or not really doesn't matter. He would have been too late. Lazarus would have been dead anyway. So when a, when a person dies in the first century in Jesus' time, a burial would take place almost immediately. Jairus goes to Jesus, says, my daughter's sick, come. And when he goes and gets to his house, they say, your daughter is dead. They've already begun the process of preparing her for burial. Jesus dies on the cross at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. He is prepared for the tomb, placed in the tomb, and the stone is rolled in front of the tomb within five or six hours. Burial takes place almost immediately. The first thing that they would do, they would close the corpse's eyes. Then they would wash the body, dress the body in a gown, and then wrap it in strips of cloth. Then they'd take a napkin-sized piece of linen called a sudario, and they would place that over the face. Family and friends would carry the corpse to wherever the burial was going to take place. Now, if it was a poor person, they'd be buried in a grave. So they'd carry the corpse to a grave, place the body in the grave, and then cover it with dirt. But rich people would be placed in 
in something kind of like a mausoleum. Uh, it would be a small cave that had been chiseled out of the side of a mountain. Now, that's where Jesus was buried. Joseph of Arimathea had just opened a tomb, just had one chiseled out of a mountainside. That's where they buried Jesus. Lazarus was also buried in a tomb, which shows us that he's rich. In chapter 12, Mary brings perfume so expensive that one of the disciples says she should have sold it for the equivalent of a year's wages. So she was well-to-do. That's fine. That's fine. Lazarus had been placed in a tomb. Then they would put a stone in front of the door and then they would mourn. Now they distinguished between what they called deep mourning and light mourning. Deep mourning took place for seven days. For seven days, the family would weep. Now, by law, the first three days of deep mourning was for weeping, but they could cry after that too, as we see. Jesus gets here on the fourth day, the first day after the weeping is to be done, but the family is still in deep mourning. That means the family would just be at home and think about their lost loved one. Friends, relatives would stop by and visit them. After that first week, then they would go into 30 days of light mourning. They could go back to work, but now in the evenings, they would spend time remembering the lost loved one. Also might visit the tomb, cry. They're in the middle of the deep morning. So the family is all at the house. Friends and relatives are there with them to weep with them. Let's continue the story. Now, Martha gets word that Jesus was coming, and so she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha goes to meet Jerry, uh, Jesus, and they begin a conversation. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. What faith? I know that you could have healed him. And then get a load of what she says. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Wow. That's some kind of faith, isn't it? Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, yeah, 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 I know. I know that on the last day, when everybody rises from the dead, he will also be one of those who rises. And Jesus says, no, Martha, you haven't understood me. I am resurrection itself 
I'm not saying he'll rise again when I come again at the end of times. I'm saying that I am resurrection. In fact, Jesus says, I am life itself. Wow, do you get what Jesus is saying? I am resurrection. I am life. Then Jesus goes on, and it's like he's quoting John 20, 30, and 31. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Anyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Then he looks at Martha and he says, do you believe this? Martha says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe. I've always believed. I've understood that you're the Messiah and you're more than the Messiah. You are the son of God, the one who's come into the world from God. Jesus looks at Martha and says, Martha, believe and live. <laughs> and Martha says, I believe. So Jesus says, okay, I want to talk to Mary. Now, what kind of faith is this? Martha has not seen the sign yet, and yet she says, I believe. A couple of weeks ago, Chris talked to us about seeing without the sign. In each one of the miraculous signs, we have people who see the sign. Many of them believe. But here's Martha. Lazarus is still in the grave. And Martha says, I still believe. I believe. Martha goes to get Mary. And she returned to Mary and she called Mary aside from the mourners and she told her, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Now Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. And so they followed her there. They were going to weep with her. But when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. The very same thing that Martha said to Jesus. These two ladies have been talking and they've been saying to each other, if Jesus would have been here, it'd be different. Yeah, yeah, it'd be different, wouldn't it? He would have healed him. Yeah, I know he would have healed him. They've been talking. Well, rather than have that same conversation again. Jesus just looks at Mary when Jesus saw her weeping 
and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He himself was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he asks, where'd you put him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus loses it. Jesus wept does not convey what took place here. Jesus breaks down and he begins to sob. So much that the Jews that were with Mary said, see how much he loved him. Now, <clears throat> why? Why did Jesus lose it at this point? I don't really know. But I do notice this. There is one other place in the Gospel of John that the words come and see are used. That's all the way back in chapter 1 when John tells two of his disciples to go and follow Jesus. And they follow him. Jesus stops, turns around and looks at him and says, what do you want? And they say, oh, well, where do you live? <laughs> it's like, they knew they wanted to follow him, but they weren't too sure what they were looking for. So the first stupid question that pops into their head, they say, come and see. Uh, they say, where do you live? And Jesus says, come and see. And they spend another three hours with him. And when they finish, one of them, goes and finds his brother, we find out now that that was Andrew. And he finds Peter and he says, we've found the Messiah. Who was the other one? I wonder if it was Lazarus. Lazarus followed Jesus from very early on. He simply was not one of the 12. But he was a follower of Jesus from very early on. In fact, he is the one person in the Gospel of John that is named and it's said the disciple that you love, Jesus, <laughs> has died. Jesus loved him because he was a follower from very early on. I wonder if Lazarus was the other one of those two disciples. And when they said, come and see, Jesus remembered his initial invitation to Lazarus. And he thought back on that, thought back on Lazarus' life, on Lazarus' commitment to follow him. Thought back on the pain that Martha and Mary and family friends had been going through. And Jesus also wept. Really doesn't matter why Jesus lost it. What matters is that they go to the tomb. Jesus says, roll away the stone. And they do. And then Jesus stands at the opening and says, Lazarus, the tomb is for dead people. You don't belong there. Come on out. And he does. 
He comes out. He has been dead for four days. Now, Jesus raised other people from the dead. But in both cases, they were recently dead. A young man being carried to the grave. Burial takes place quickly, within a matter of hours. Jairus' daughter had just died. Excuse the morbidity, but they were still warm when Jesus raised them from the dead. Lazarus had been dead for four days. In fact, Martha says, when Jesus says, roll away the stone, Martha says, Lord, it'll stink. There'll be a smell. And Jesus answers her by saying, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Martha, didn't I say, believe and live. Lazarus came back to life and everybody saw. Never before had anything like this ever happened. All of the facts were against this happening. Lazarus died. They knew it. Lazarus had been prepared for the tomb. They saw it. Lazarus was in the tomb. They had been weeping in deep mourning for four days already. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. And he did. So what happened next? Well, many of the people who were with Mary believed. You see the sign you believe. Believe and live. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and the Pharisees called the high council together, the Sanhedrin. What are we going to do, they asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Caiaphas, who was high priest at that time, said, you don't know what you're talking about. You guys, you just don't get it. Don't you realize it's better that one man die for the people than that the whole nation be destroyed. From this point, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. Because of Lazarus, because of this sign, they said, okay, we got a problem. It's time for us to get rid of the problem. Let's kill Jesus. As a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people and he left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness to the village of Ephraim and he stayed there with his disciples. 
the leading priests and the Pharisees ordered that anyone who saw Jesus should report it immediately so they could arrest him and put him to death. Ultimately, what we find out, this is Judas's betrayal. Do you ever wonder about that? What, what was it that Judas, Judas did? Well, he let them know where they could take Jesus privately because they couldn't take him when he was teaching. The people would have revolted. But when he was alone in a garden at night, they could arrest him. And he could be on the cross before people were even aware what was happening. And that is exactly what happened. All of this because Jesus did something absolutely unbelievable. That's faith. That's faith that God can do something that humanly is completely and totally impossible. The facts were all against Lazarus coming out of that tomb, but he did. I started thinking about that. I started looking for times when God does something totally, totally, completely unexpected, like a small number of families who have begun to meet together, forming a church, acquiring a property, and a 52,000-square-foot building in a matter of years completely paid and here we are I thought about Hubert Nolan I received a visit this past week from someone who works with the Hope Center Hubert was pastoring a church Brookville Road Christian Church and when he was 63 years old the Lord said start a new ministry. That's about time people usually start thinking about retirement. Within a matter of about a year, they had acquired what used to be a Bible college, which has become the largest suffered from sexual trafficking in the USA. Paid for. Who knows how? Completely impossible. And I thought back to something that happened to me when I was still in Columbia. Linda and I were in Columbia for 17 years. The last three years we pastored a church. It was a church plant. And during the time that we were there, <clears throat> we rented for most of that time, but we were looking for a property. Now, we had started the church plant in a fairly affluent neighborhood, the neighborhood of Laurelis. 
and property values in Laurelis were uh, high, a property came available. And so we inquired, we found out it was ideal for the church. It actually wasn't a home. It was a factory and a warehouse. But it was ideal for us to be able to meet in it. The problem was we just couldn't afford it. It was way beyond our capacity. I can still remember going to the meeting that night. The meeting that I thought I would be leading so that we would decide to turn down the offer. But instead, one of the members stood up in the meeting and said, you know, this isn't our church anyway. This is God's church. Isn't God able to do this? As a result, we went back to the owners and we made an offer. We had no money. They accepted the offer. Now we were really in trouble. People started to live. One of the members actually said, I own a property in Miami. Let me sell it and you can have the proceeds. (laughs) We were able within a year to pay for about two-thirds of the building We financed the rest and then paid that down over the next several years. There's no way that that could have happened. The facts were against it. And that is exactly what we're talking about. Jesus says, believe and live. Well, if we want to live, love, and go like Jesus, we do need to believe. Even when doubt prevails. We need to believe even when it's hard to believe. Even when the facts are against us, he is able Now, I know you well enough to greet you on Sunday mornings to say, hey, how you doing? How are things going? But for most of you, I don't know what's going on in your life. Believe. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what impossible thing you face. Believe. Believe, even when it's hard to believe, even when the facts are against you, even when you know that there is no way that it could take place. Believe anyway, because he has a way of working that transcends our logic. Believe even when it's hard. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.